Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. So I'm a 24-year-old female living in Los Angeles, California. I left my home state when I was 18 and moved out west for school. I can easily say that it's been one of the better choices of my life. After college, I was lucky enough to find myself a job that pays relatively well for where I live. But after several years of living with multiple roommates and sharing a living space with others, I decided that I was done with that and I've prioritized living on my own ever since. I have a great one-bedroom apartment that I love, although I don't live in the glitziest or safest part of the city. This is what leads me to my story that actually just unfolded a few nights ago. I was coming home later than usual from work, probably around 11.30pm. As I pull into the parking lot of my complex, I head for my assigned spot, and as I pull in, I notice a guy three or four spots away from me, appearing to be loading or unloading things from his car. He looked a bit older than me, dressed like he had just gotten done camping or something. Parka-style jacket, hiking boots, five o'clock shadow. As I get out, I can already feel his eyes on me as I lock up my car and begin heading for the front door. But before I get too far away, he calls out, Hey, and says, you've got a headlight out. This is something that I knew already, but I reply that I hadn't had time to get to it and thank him for the heads up. As I turn to leave again, he says, well, I can probably take care of that for you, if you want. Again, I stop and say, no thanks, I'll get to it when I do, and it's not that big of a deal. But at this point, I can feel that he's not ready for our interaction to be done. He attempts to make small talk which, given the hour of the night, felt a little off-putting on its own. And while I'm used to guys trying to flirt or hit on me, not tooting my own horn here, it's just something that women have to deal with, he wasn't really doing that. He was asking more awkward style questions. Have you lived here long? What's the community like? Is there anywhere to explore around here? But the one that stuck out most was, what time does the front door lock? This man asked vague enough questions that one could assume that he had just moved in, but he never said that. And that door question was particularly strange because at that moment, the front security door leading into the building had a broken lock. This is something that both myself and other tenants had shared with the building manager, but nothing had been done about it yet. The door would open and shut with a loud click, so it might sound as if it were bolted shut. But one pull would tell you differently. Now, this dude was sketching me out, so I didn't want to be super forthcoming with any response, really. But by the time his last question hit, I decided that it was time for me to head inside. I excused myself as smoothly as I could and headed for the door. 
once I was sure that he wasn't following behind me. I held out my key as if I were having to unlock the door, and as securely as I could, I shut it behind me. Now, I live on the first floor, and my apartment windows face the parking lot. Hold on to that for the time being. Once I get to my own front door, I quietly listen to hear if anybody is messing with the door in the lobby. I don't hear a thing, so I open my door and quickly shut and lock it behind me. My next instinct, like most people, is to flick on the lights in my dark apartment. But before my hand hits the switch, I get this cold feeling. A feeling that was instant and told me, hold off on the lights for a second. Instead, I grabbed my phone. Now, the building that I'm in is equipped with a communal version of a ring doorbell. It sits at the main entryway and serves as a way to see who is at the door before any of us residents buzz someone in, when the door is locked at least. When I open the app up, I can't help but notice that same strange man standing about 20 feet from the door, just staring up at the building. It was an odd sight, but it got me wondering what exactly he was doing, because he stood completely still and looked as if he were a statue, like he was waiting for something. Well, as a woman, you have to be more aware or more ready to connect the dots or whatever you want to call it, compared to our male counterparts. My mind jumps from his outwardly strange demeanor to a realization of what he actually is doing. This man saw me park in front of my building. He watched me walk into the building. And now, I believe that he was waiting to see if he could figure out which apartment was actually mine. I froze and kept my eyes fixed on my phone. He kept his eyes fixed on the building. And we kind of just sat in the stalemate for about five or so minutes. Like I said, I live on the first floor. And while my windows aren't exactly on the ground level, they are only 10 or so feet above the ground and don't have any sort of bars or deterrent on them. So I for sure wasn't about to key this guy in on where I stayed. After a little while, it seems like dude just kind of gave up. He took a few steps towards the door, peeked in through the glass entryway, but thankfully, never touched the door handle. He turned and walked back towards where his car was parked. And while it was only a matter of moments between him staring in and walking off, it was easily the most unsettling part of this interaction. I never saw his car drive by the camera towards the exit of the lot, but after gaining a little courage to look out the window, the car was no longer in the spot that it was when I pulled in. While this story might not resonate with most people as being the most creepy, I wanted to share this more as a precautionary tale. I'm not sure why this guy was so interested in where I lived, but it didn't give me a good feeling. And when that sensation hit my gut, telling me to not turn on my lights, I think that was something worth listening to. So, to anyone that hears this, I hope that it at least gives you something to ponder in terms of not broadcasting to everybody, especially those that may not need to know where you choose to lay your head. Thanks for listening. In 2018, I lived with my partner and my German Shepherd in the Humboldt Park neighborhood of Chicago. 
I was 33 years old at the time, and our apartment was a fourth floor walk-up unit. Very typical low-budget Chicago rental in an up-and-coming neighborhood. The layout of our building is going to matter to this story. Our building had a total of 12 units, mine, and the three below me, and had a shared front entrance, and the other eight units were through a second entrance. All 12 apartments had connected back porches and stairs that shared a walkway to a rear gate, which led down to an alley. From the front stairwell, there are windows on each landing to the back porches, so you can see the back door of my apartment when standing at the front door through that window. We had good relations with our neighbors, especially those that lived directly below us and shared our front door. This was a thing that saved all three of us, my partner, my dog, and myself. My partner was in a touring band at the time and would leave for weekends or even weeks at a time. And it was a scary thing for me because I was assaulted and stalked by an ex in my teens and 20s. And I still have the PTSD from it. I was always worried that something would tip off my ex and he'd start stalking me again. A little less than a month before our two-week tour my partner had scheduled, I received a creepy Facebook message from that stalker ex from yet another new account. About a week after that, my car was broken into. The glove box was emptied, things were thrown around, but the only thing that was taken was a bag of dog treats. I had about $20 worth of change in the compartment between the seats, and they left the money. I was on high alert at that point, and very scared about the time that I'd be alone during the tour. My partner was kind of irritated with me and the situation, and felt that it was too last minute to cancel, especially over what amounted to a bad feeling and a few isolated things that weren't direct threats. And truthfully, car break-ins are very common in Chicago. It's happened to me like 15 times, and the police usually do the reports over the phone don't even come to the scene. What I found really strange was that the thief didn't take the money though. My partner left for his tour and I set up cameras and bought door braces for my front and back doors. I became completely nocturnal, unable to sleep at night. My poor dog developed diarrhea, maybe because she was picking up on my own stress levels. It meant that I was taking her down all four flights of stairs for her to go blast her bowels six or seven times a night. I had the distinct prickly, crawling sensation of being watched when- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I would take her out. But I couldn't tell what was genuine and what was my own fear and paranoia. My dog's tummy issues lasted an unusually long time, maybe four or five days. I was going in and out of the main door a lot, feeling scared. And I noticed that some of my neighbors wouldn't pull the door all the way closed, closed enough that the lock would engage. I mentioned this to my downstairs neighbor one day, 
including that I was extra careful because of the stalker. He was supportive, said he'd mention it to the other neighbors if he saw them, and I noticed that the door was locked more frequently after that. My partner came home at about 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. At about 8.30 a.m. that morning, my first floor neighbor's place was burglarized. The neighbor was a metalhead dude who collected instruments, sold weed and psychedelics, and lived alone. I guess he went out for breakfast, and he left his door unlocked while he was gone. Someone had come in, eaten the leftovers in his fridge, took a coat and a pair of boots, and left a filthy coat and a pair of boots in exchange. They took his college diploma, but left $500 in the same cabinet. They left all the expensive musical instruments and mixing equipment, left the drugs, but did take a set of keys. The keys were to the first floor apartment, and a master key for the front door and the back gate. My neighbors ran into each other right after the break-in, and the second floor neighbor said that Metalhead Dude should probably come tell me what was going on due to the whole stalker thing. So Metalhead Neighbor did just that, came to find me, and let me know what had happened. My partner had just gotten home from his tour when he knocked at the front door. I jumped out of my skin, but looked through the peephole, recognized the neighbor, and the three of us stood on the stairs at my front door while he told us about the break-in. We jabber-jawed for a while, maybe 15, 20 minutes. While we were talking, we heard the front door open and close below us, but thought nothing of it. That's when we saw a man climbing up my back porch steps, headed straight for my back door, through the window. There was no other apartment he could have been going to, and he had to walk past all 11 more accessible units on his way to mine. This was not my stalker, nor did I recognize him, but his image is now burned in my mind. He was wearing flashy black and white high top sneakers, not the one stolen from downstairs. His black coat was oversized and hanging from his shoulders. We locked eyes through the window, and he froze halfway up the stairs to my back porch. He slowly took a cell phone from his pocket and called someone as he even more slowly turned around halfway up the steps. He walked back down the stairs in an artificially slow motion, like he was pretending to be nonchalant, and then bolted into a sprint as soon as he hit the porch below mine. My neighbor ran downstairs and dialed 911. My partner and I ran through the apartment to the back porch and saw a sedan and a windowless van pull out from the sketchy building two doors down. Both cars floored it out of the alley. We didn't get the plates. But the cop said it wouldn't have mattered. There wasn't any crime committed, and nothing concrete to justify stopping them. They very condescendingly explained this to me, as they took my statement later. My neighbor is the one who actually made the call and has the police report. My partner and I were just considered witnesses. For a long time, the thing that scared me the most happened to be the tool that my neighbor found when he went running downstairs. It was a two-by-four piece of wood, cut to about two feet in length, but about six inches of it had been made into a handle. It looked like a paddle, and for a long time I couldn't figure out what it was, but now 
I'm pretty sure it was a ram for the door jam or locks. When I looked at my door afterward, it looked like the frame had been repaired, like it had been broken open before. It seems like they used the one master key to place their ram, get somebody at the back door to catch me if I tried to run out that way, and somebody else was going to come back around since they only had one key, and they'd break in my front door to go forward with whatever they had planned. When we caught them before they could catch me unaware, it seems like they aborted the plan. I suspect they'd been watching me, especially while I was taking out my dog, and figured that I was alone. It was pure coincidence that my partner had gotten home just 30 minutes before all of this. I feel that we all could have been horribly injured, or worse, had we been trapped inside, and they had gotten the jump on us. Nothing else really came of this, except that my landlord refused to change the locks, although he did agree to let us out of our lease. I moved out of Chicago, and now I've added a younger dog that I'm training to do some bite work. My house is surrounded by cameras and floodlights and wingnut neighbors. So, whoever was on my back porch, and whatever you had planned, let's not meet. I've never posted to this subreddit before, but after working with authorities, I finally feel safe enough to share my story. For context, I'm a 20-year-old female, and I started an OnlyFans account over the summer to support myself through school, and things were great until I posted my Amazon wishlist. Amazon doesn't release your address to people who gift you items, but third-party sellers can, and I believe that that's where I went wrong. By the way, not trying to promote it here, this is a very frightening story, and I felt like it should be shared. In late July, I got a puppy. And one evening, around 2am, I took him outside to go to the bathroom. While he was doing his business, I happened to notice a car parked outside my family home. I saw a figure in the car, but I couldn't really make out their face because it was pitch black. But from the way they were facing and the position of the car, it certainly felt like they were looking at me. Feeling a bit uneasy, I picked up my puppy to take him back inside. And once I started to move, that car that was parked inched towards my driveway. I sprinted back inside and locked the door, expecting whoever it was in the car to approach the house. But no knock ever came. The next morning, I went to check the mail and I found that there was an envelope inside addressed to my only fan's name with about 50 bucks in it, but no note. I was currently still at home with my parents who had no idea about my OnlyFans account, so I didn't want to have to explain that, so I just kept it to myself. A few weeks later, I moved back to my college town to get ready for school. At this time, I had stopped posting for the time being until I could figure out how that person got my address. I've watched enough crime shows to know there's a possibility that I could be in danger. I live in a duplex with a gated parking lot for reference. One morning, I was planning on vlogging my trip to Target because I was planning on starting a YouTube channel in the near future since OnlyFans now felt unsafe. When I got to my car, I realized that it had been ransacked and my vlogging camera 
was now missing. I know, it's my fault for leaving it in my car, but I was using it the night before, and since I lived in a gated area, I didn't think that it would be unsafe. It wasn't in plain sight either. I had it hidden in my glove box. I used that camera to film my content, and the SD card inside had all of my unreleased photos and videos. I know that they stole it just for the SD card, but this is where the story gets weird. There are cameras outside in the parking lot, so we were able to watch this person break into my car and find the camera. They didn't happen to touch any of the other seven cars in the lot. It seemed like they knew which car was mine, which suggests they had been watching me for a while. After they got the camera, they walked around the duplex until stopping near my window. My bedroom faces an outside street, and my blinds happen to be broken, so it's fairly easy to see in. I have a curtain, but it doesn't cover my window all the way. That's when we saw that this person watched me sleep for nearly an hour or so, using the camera they had just pilfered from my car to do the recording. I have no idea why they didn't try to break in, but I thank God that they didn't. This person, whoever it was, then sold the camera to a pawn shop, and since I knew the serial number, the police were able to find it. When I got it back, the camera was still in perfect working order, but predictably, the SD card was missing. I believe the police are still trying to track that person down, but I broke my lease and moved to a new place, so... Hopefully that will keep me safe. I no longer create content. No longer do I want to have a YouTube following, or literally any type of following now. Part of me wishes that I were more creative and had found a way to make money for school in a different way, instead of putting myself out there the way that I did. But a bigger part of me wishes that online creeps would just stay online and away from me in real life. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.